Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And I'm Eric. And this is episode 305, another hometown urban legend. That's right. Don't adjust your dial, folks. It's October. It's the month of urban legends and creepy cool shit here at Spirits. And we're going to bring you some more urban legends today. The month just gets spookier and spookier, and that's a real win for both us and for our listeners. Absolutely. I am uh, having the haunting of having a wedding in three days. <laughs> that is my, you know, my main thing. But I'll be able to see you both in person, which will be incredibly lovely. Oh, yeah. It will be so nice. I am looking forward to the journey to get to your wedding. That's right. Yes. And the the fall foliage of where you're getting married, Amanda, in the middle of October is going to be beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Eric, I hope you enjoy riding the rails and you don't become a train ghost um, on your way from Cleveland to upstate New York. Yeah. Wearing a top hat. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I'll become a colonial ghost. Fantastic. Just an old timey ghost via train. Yeah. I mean, if you dress like an old timey ghost, who's to say that you're not an old timey ghost when you die? You know, like that's it's all about true. the outfit. Exactly. It's the vibes you give off when you die that maybe that's it. Maybe that maybe we've solved why there's no new ghosts. Maybe there are new ghosts, but the vibes are just like olden times because that's what we think of when we think of ghosts. Eric, it would be very funny if you were dressed like an old timey ghost when you die. And but also <laughs> you talk about like the YouTube algorithm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're like, oh, I'm so thrown off by what this ghost knows and doesn't know. <laughs> it's like, what do you see someone with a really modern face in a period film? And uh, my fiance Eric and I were talking about this in, um, in Game of Thrones, where at a certain point, Matt Smith's character gets a haircut. And Eric's like, that man looks like he he has had a cell phone. Like the, the modern haircut really just makes his face look like a modern face. But that's not always true of old timey ghosts. Truly, they need to give everyone in Game of Thrones. All the men need to have bowl cuts because mm -hmm. otherwise it's not historically accurate. Right. Do you guys mind if I start with an aperitif that involves friends and also a train? Yeah, why not? Sure. So this story comes from Gretty, she, they, and is titled Skeptic with a Ghost Friend Who Wanted to Prove Her Wrong. Ooh. Oh. Interesting. All right. Hey, Spooky Crew. Hope you're doing well. I've submitted before, but I've been debating about whether or not to share this particular ghostly encounter. But now that we're fully into spooky season, I figured, why not? Yeah. I live adjacent to a town that flourished at the end of the 19th century because of a train stop that allowed rich families from within the city to stop off to summer houses and entertainment. Sound familiar, Julia? I mean, yes, it does. But also, like, the historical influence of trains on this country cannot be understated, especially for towns like this. Anyway, sorry, I get really excited about train history sometimes. Yeah, we're not talking about it enough. The central business district of this town still has a bunch of buildings from that era in the 19th century, with all built in brick all around a lake. It's pretty cool. Cool. I worked as a waitress in one of these old buildings at an Irish pub on and off for about five years. Classic. Since before I started working there, every one of the employees talked about a ghost who lived in the basement, fondly referred to as Henry. He would apparently rattle door handles and flicker lights and just in general make the place feel pretty creepy. Once all the patrons had left and the waitresses were checking out during their meal, he would sometimes venture upstairs and do other creepy stuff. Mm -mm. Now, I say all of this having closed the restaurant many times and always been the one to volunteer to go to the basement, and I myself have never had an experience with Henry. At the restaurant, that is. Uh-oh. I had a bad habit of snorting at people's stories when they talked about their experiences with Henry, and I would often teasingly ask him to help me find stuff in the basement after the owners reorganized. 
What are we thinking, guys? Is this is this good behavior to bait the ghost or to ask the ghost for help? I, I see a world where being like, hey, ghost, I'm looking for something could sort of channel the ghost's energy like a toddler when you teach them to put things away, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is this is in the wheelhouse of team ignorance. Team ignorance is all about avoiding the thing when you're not sure what the situation is. But we, we've we've gotten past that point. So now it's like, come on, help me out a little bit. I've established some level of, of help you might be able to provide for me. Why not do it? I feel like this ghost knows that this person does not believe in said ghost, right? Mm. Because if they're snorting at stories mentioning this ghost and the ghost is overhearing, they're like, oh, well, you only talk to me and ask for favors when people are not around? Excuse me, how rude. So I think this ghost is not going to be happy with this person. That would be my guess. I'm a spiteful person, though. So. <laughs> mm. Well, Julia, here's what happened. In April 2021, the restaurant closed because the owners were retiring. On one of my last shifts, I was having an off-the-clock tale, and then parentheses, that's the best joke I've ever made, wow, <laughs> with the bartender while he was finishing up the till along with another of my waitress friends. And we got to chatting about whether the new owners were going to like Henry. I said, well, if Henry doesn't want to risk it, he can always come home with me. My house doesn't have its own ghost yet. Mm. You cannot do that. You cannot just jokingly invite a ghost into your home. <laughs> It got a laugh from my coworkers, so I didn't think much of it. I think you thought of this. I think you needed a haunting and you wanted a haunting and you were baiting Henry into coming into your life. You've invited a ghost into your home. Yeah, I've now turned back against this. <laughs> Thinking about it more, it's too open. It's too much of an open door policy for ghosts. And like, I'm fine with being like, ah, the ghost probably knows where my keys are or something like that. But getting the ghost to like, oh, come with me for a, a second location, a second ghostcation. Don't invite a ghost to a secondary location. No, no, no. no. <sighs> Fast forward, maybe three days later, and I got back late from a dinner with some friends. I was sweaty and decided to quickly pop in the shower before bed. Very relatable as we're in the last gasp of a uh, summer heat here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was in a towel walking to the bathroom and was reaching out ahead to turn on the bathroom light when I heard a man's voice clear as day say, quite conversationally. Oh, hello. That's two words, guys. That's not like a whisper in the wind that kind of sounds like someone saying, watch out or whatever. That's <laughs> Get out. Yeah, yeah. It's my house now. When I tell you I stopped, hell, I was paralyzed in a towel two steps from the light switch, terrified. I swear I stood there a good 15 minutes waiting for some ghost face to poke around the corner and say boo. Though I was a good team ignorant and refused to call out who's there or anything, <laughs> I just stood, stood silent until I could will my legs to move forward and turn that light on. I showered with the curtain open just in case and didn't bother defogging the mirror just in case something appeared behind me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Classic. I hopped into bed and watched silly videos until I fell asleep. Now, I'm a pretty good skeptic, but I also registered that me offering for a ghost to come home with me in a hundred plus year old building is stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Luckily, since making his initial presence known, I haven't had any other interactions. Though, if he's the one who misplaced my favorite flip flops, I'd like them back, please. I mean, ask politely. 
We've talked about this. You already ask this ghost for help trying to find stuff in the basement of the restaurant. Yeah. You can ask for your flip-flops back. Yeah. You've done it now. You know, like you've you've opened the box. You have uh, invited the ghost in. And I think now you and Henry need to come to a working relationship uh, where you are not just waiting for Henry to, you know, make his presence known. So I, uh, I'm i going to need an update on this one. Okay. Yeah. Get those flip-flops back. Seriously. It's important. It's hard to find one that fits well. Eric, you told us before we started recording that you had a follow-up to our 300th episode. Yeah, I've got another email from Maggie who wrote us in The Blue Dog Problem. Uh-oh. Yes. And uh, I'm going to just read that update uh, that's that's titled, Some Weird Dreams I've Had. Also, a little update. <laughs> this is also the person where we figured out that it was a ghost of Garfield the cat, perhaps? Yes. yes. Great. Mm-hmm. It was that evil ghost cat causing all the machinations. Yep, that was the problem. In our opinion, obviously. In our humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Hello, spooky friends. It made me so happy to hear my email read on episode 300. And since you enjoyed my story, I thought I'd give a little update. Woo! Here is one thing I forgot to mention in the story. The reason I knew the cat was named Dot is because the kids, the ones that looked like me and my brothers, would sing and chant to the cat and call her Dot. Okay. Yes, that is an important update that you forgot to tell us. Okay. Yeah. Singing, little kids sing. It's creepy when little kids sing, but they do sing. Mm -hmm. The concept of chanting the cat's name (laughs) is horrifying. Dot, 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 dot. As a four, five, or six-year-old, this was terrifying. So I would close my eyes and burrow myself in my giant queen bed. I'm the middle kid and the only girl, so that's why I think I had the nicest bed. I don't know. (laughs) And then I tried to fall back asleep. The next bit is some weird dreams I've had. Some of them are truly scary and some of them are just silly. So strap in and enjoy the chaotic dreamland I go to almost every night. As a fellow chaotic dreamer, I feel that. Mm. Feel it in my bones. What does that mean for you, Julia? What does chaotic dreaming mean for you? Ah, my dreams are just buck wild, man. Mm. Like, I feel like Amanda and I have compared dreams before and Amanda's are like, there was a lot of plants in my apartment and it was Mm -hmm. great. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I had a really vivid dream where I definitely murdered someone and then I had to like dig up their body before my parents sold my childhood home. Yeah. Yep. And mine, mine is like, oh yeah, a meeting I have tomorrow went bad or a thing I thought about on my to-do list two hours before I fell asleep that thing it remains undone like it's always something i experienced in the last six hours slightly bad yeah yeah i would say most of my dreams are like the weirder ones are like in a place but the place is kind of different and there's a weird stressor thing happening like we're getting our basement fixed up this month and the uh the situation it should be pretty straightforward they're just gonna do some jackhammering stuff like that and like I had a dream where there was like a, a waterfall in my basement now. I just all like, I'm like this, like I was in my basement, but I wasn't mm-hmm. in my basement. This is not how my basement is. It's not how my basement's going to be after this work that's costing me far too much money. So. Ah, classic. No, I constantly can fly. I have superpowers in my dreams. Mm. I have magical abilities a lot of times in my dreams. I'm different people in my dreams very often. Like, yeah, no, my dreams are weird. I've never been a different person. Oh, I'm a different person all the time in my dreams. And like I switch. Amanda, different person, same person for you. Same person. Same person. I like switch like perspectives. Like I'm in like a, a movie and I'm like a new character, like a new POV character. I think if I saw myself in my dream, I would, my brain would melt. 
<laughs> Julia, maybe you're just more creative than us. I think you are like having a cinematic directorial vision in your own dreams. Mm. And I am like, what if I have to experience this unpleasant thing I don't want to have to do twice? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's just anxiety. It's just anxiety again. <laughs> yeah. All right. So back to uh, Maggie's dreams. So this first one is when I was eight. After writing in a couple times, you might think I was a creepy kid, but no, I definitely wasn't. Hmm. So I asked my parents to assure me that I was, in fact, a perfectly normal kid, and I just had really weird dreams. But this one is probably the spookiest. So be prepared. I was hanging out with my best friend, Hannah, and I had to walk her home. Instead of just walking down the street, we got squished into gelatinous orbs. Now that's interesting because usually okay. famously you would be pushed into a gelatinous cube, mm -hmm. but an orb, I mm, suspicious. And then we got rocketed through tubes. Doesn't explain where the tubes come from. They're they're just in the tubes. They're in they're in the gel gelatin. They're in the tube. They're moving quick. Great. That's what you gotta know. If I could travel via pneumatic tube, I would. Yeah. Constantly. That's true. Every time I walk into like an old hotel or skyscraper or apartment building and they have pneumatic tube mail systems, I'm just like, oh, I love Bless. it. Bless. <laughs> also, if I'm remembering correctly, we either looked like Phineas and Ferb or maybe we were just hanging out with them. I honestly can't remember. When we got to Hannah's house, I dropped her off and then the dream immediately flashed to me sitting on a dark love seat in a dark room looking at a little TV. A little TV, very creepy to me. Bad news. Mm -hmm. Because I like I like a big old, like an LG C255 <laughs> incher, baby. <laughs> Little TV, very scary to me. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> Just putting me on blast for my TV <laughs> choices, apparently. It's a good, it's a good panel. You got those mm -hmm. OLEDs, the pixels, they turn on and off. Wow. Nothing else was in the room. Like the walls had nothing but one window and outside it was pitch black. And this room just gave me the creeps. The TV glitched on and there was a movie of a Doctor Who. Oh, no, not of a, not like that. <laughs> a Doctor a do Who episode. <laughs> it's the one with the weeping angels. Matt Smith got a haircut. He looks really modern now. <laughs> there was a movie of a Doctor Who had just internationally, no. <laughs> International acclaimed doctor. I'm sorry. International no. doctor must be nice. <laughs> oh boy. Who had just intentionally killed somebody? Oh, God. <laughs> you're going to have to retake that, buddy. <laughs> All of these optics are staying in the episode because Great. there's no way we're going to get past me confusing the word intentionally and internationally <laughs> because it's very different if a doctor has killed internationally than if a doctor has killed intentionally. It is. One's a serial killer, one's still a murderer. Neither are probably good, but it's important to the story to get that detail correct. You know, I am now thinking it would be interesting if at home, say, you know, either you or Kelsey Schneider like leaves out the almond milk and one of you says like, oh, did you leave this almond milk out intentionally? And then you go, no, I did it internationally. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, it must be the European model to keep the almond milk on the counter. Yeah. Also, if you just read the whole sentence on all of my first takes, we had a movie of Doctor Who who internationally <laughs> had killed somebody, which is obviously 
not in the doctor's usual mo no not really not not usually no unless they do like a bond crossover then that might Mm -hmm. be true Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's definitely on the horizons Mm -hmm. so anyways they killed him with a poison shot i'm not gonna read that verbatim because who knows how this sentence would would go this was a dream (laughs) they had when they were eight they point out which is quite quite intense about the doctor internationally poisoning people as matt smith yeah the doctor was in a stereotypical hospital room The doctor was an extremely tall woman. The doctor was a mother. And was wearing scrubs, and I'm pretty sure her eyes were pure black. Nice. The doctor pulled out a crumpled lined piece of paper and started reading the poor lady's life story to no one but the corpse. Cool. Very weird. What were you watching? Yeah. I said out loud, wow, this is really (laughs) scary. And the doctor turned around, stared into my eyes, and replied, yes. Maggie, dear, of course it is. And if you stay much longer, the same will happen to you. I woke up immediately. And I was sweating, breathing very heavily. And it might not sound very scary, but it was truly horrifying in the moment. I mean, I would say that is truly horrifying as a dream to have. Yeah. Damn. All right. We have two more dreams from Maggie. Here we go. I would have liked to have stayed a gelatinous cube. I would have, you know, foregone the creepy room with the doctor who then turns to me and says you're next yeah yeah it really seems relaxing to be suspended in jello or just to be jello imagine like no bones yeah no bones just gel it would be nice this dream probably occurred when i was seven or eight so some context before i start my older brother who is three years older than me had recently told me about five nights at freddy's and a certain terrifying minecraft monster i was very scared of both those things So once again, I feel extremely old because this person was seven or eight and just learning about Five Nights at Freddy's, which didn't exist until I was in my mid to late 20s at the earliest. Yeah, the Phineas and Ferb one got me earlier, so I feel you. I had a super active imagination and read a lot of books and still do, and that really impacted my dreams. I was in my basement storage room, which was honestly already a pretty bad sign. (laughs) The way my basement works is that it has three to four main rooms and the main area with workout stuff and a TV and an office where my dad works and a bathroom, which is very spooky. And then finally, the storage room. The storage room is very long and thin, the shelves on both sides kind of cluttered, so it's hard to get out quickly, especially if you're a 4-8 kid. I suddenly heard loud thump, thump thump noise and immediately panicked. I saw a very large, terrifying, glowing Minecrafty giant and I'm pretty sure it ate me. And that was the end (laughs) of that dream. Again, the level of, wow, this is a Gen Z person is really throwing me for a loop in these stories. Yeah. Where it's like, oh yes, the Minecraft monster. I'm like, you're how old and you, you, Minecraft? Those Minecraft monsters, they're spooky sometimes. And especially since the lighting is real dim in Minecraft sometimes, like they really pop out of nowhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all i know is i was at coney island recently and there was a like co-op video game that was minecraft licensed hmm. and i was like oh they got real stuff now Ooh. Oh. i know i'm old because i have no concept of the scope of minecraft anymore yeah yeah it's big now like i mean it's always been big as a game but like there's like stories and plots and things that i mean it's it's pretty pretty impressive what they've what they've done over there Listen, it's a hell of a lot more impressive than the giant omelet in Neopets, which was the extent of my, you know, (laughs) online participation. Shout out to the giant omelet. Yeah, probably. So this is the last dream, and it happened a bit more recently when Maggie was reading The Hobbit. 
the goblins were attacking. I don't know how I knew this, but I definitely did. I realized that I had the invisibility ring in my pocket, but it wouldn't work for long. I mean, this is very much The Hobbit. Classic. My younger brother, Rolf, was there too and couldn't be protected by the ring. So what should I have done? My bedroom, for some reason, didn't have a lock and Ralph doesn't even have a door. So that's a big issue. So where should we go? Mm -hmm. The bathrooms. Natch. The bathroom closet. We hid there for as long as possible, but of course the goblins got us eventually. So yeah, we both got got. (laughs) Poor thing keeps dying in their dreams and I feel bad. Yeah. So those are Maggie's dreams and the little uh, update about the chanting children and the cat dot. Still horrifying. So so pretty, pretty, pretty wild stuff going on there. We love an update. Thank you. So I have one quick one, guys, about my favorite of the stories that people send in, which is the childhood man with a hat and a trench coat story. Yay. But Julia, I have a quick problem, which is I'm going to need to refill my drink first. Is that all right? Yeah, let's go get it. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Refill. Amanda here recording in advance because I am off uh, preparing to get married, which I'm very excited about. Thank you so much to Julia and Eric Schneider for helping make sure that I can take some time off. And if you have joined the Patreon recently, thank you. We are going to be thanking you in a couple of weeks because, again, we're doing this in advance. But first, I want to make sure I thank our supporting producer-level patrons, Alicia, Anne, Brittany, Daisy, Fruity Chick, Hannah, Iron Havoc, Jack Marie, Jane, Jessica Stewart, Measlekins, Lily, Megan Moon, Nathan, Phil Fresh, Rico Like, Captain Jonathan, Malachi Cosmos, Sarah, Scott, and Zazie. And, of course, our legend-level patrons who are beginning to take us up on our myth monikers, which is one of the new Patreon benefits that they like you can enjoy. So thank you to Ariana, Audra, Bex, Chibi Yokai, Kakuta Maculata, Clara, Ginger Spurs Boy, Morgan, Sarah, Schmitty, and BMEF Scotty. You can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash spirits podcast where you can enjoy years worth of bonus urban legends and much, much more. I have been reading a ton of rom-coms as I wade through wedding and work stress and all the rest. And today I want to recommend to you The Hookup Plan by Farah Rashon. This is the third book in a trilogy all about, remember the thing on Twitter several years ago where like three women sort of met up and worked together because a dude was saying he was only seeing them, but actually seeing all three of them all using the same like hookup app. Yeah. So that was the inspiration for this series where three women in Austin, Texas become really good friends because the same dude attempted to meet all of them in the same restaurant on the same night and they outsmarted him and uh, the power of friendship outweighs, uh, you know, like kind of temporary hookups with dudes. Something I really love about Farrah's books is that it's all about the women's careers. One of them is a personal trainer who's kind of figuring out whether or not to go back to school. The protagonist of this book is a doctor and really figuring out how to balance, you know, her life with her sort of family needs and her goals. Like it's as much about making your workplace better and advocating for people who need it as it is is sort of finding love along the way, which I really love about so many contemporary rom-coms. So you can find the link to that and all of the books that we have ever recommended, plus all of the books that our guests have written at spiritspodcast.com slash books. If you wish you had more multitude shows to catch up on, I have very good news, which is that we have been making a weekly friendly debate show for years called Head Heart Gut. 
This is where all of the multitude hosts get in the mix to debate each month which of an iconic set of three items from pop culture or the world we live in is the best. That includes things like best fruit, best movie sequel, best Fast and Furious movie, best thing to do at a theme park, the kind of thing where you and your friends sort of when hanging out or in the car will be like, no, I insist that hot dogs are better than hamburgers. It's like that, but it's a formal structured debate. It's so good. One of my favorite things to do at work every month. So what you can actually do is search for Head, Heart, Gut in your podcast app. This one you're using right now. So you can listen to a couple months worth of Head, Heart, Gut for free. Two full months worth of Head, Heart, Gut for free. And then if you like it, join the Multi-Crew. That's our membership program that supports all of Multitude. So listen to Head, Heart, Gut for free. Search for it in your podcast app. And then if you like it, you know where to go. That's multicrew.club. We are sponsored this week by Apostrophe Skincare. And listen, I'm 30, turning 31 soon. And I have definitely realized that things my skin needs are different. I can no longer just wash my face with Irish Spring soap and maybe moisturize it and my skin looks good like I did when I was in my early 20s. And something I really appreciate about Apostrophe is that it's an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. For example, learned that I have rosacea. I thought it was just acne. No, no, there's rosacea too. And when I googled rosacea and things to use for it, I was completely overwhelmed by the amount of stuff available to me. And I love that I was able to talk back and forth with a real person at Apostrophe to figure out what medication works best for me. They ask you all kinds of questions about your skin goals, your medical history. I took some photos of my skin so they could see it. And hey, they customized, recommended a custom treatment just for me. It was really useful, really easy. And I was also able to say, like, why why is this the thing that you want to use? Like, I'm talking to a real dermatologist and it was tailored right to me. It was also extremely adorable and uh, they have stickers. And when it came to the product, they also like email and texted me afterwards to say, like, how's it going? It's been a month. Is everything cool? It's been two months. Like, how's it going? They really want to make sure that what you have works for you. And we have a special deal here for the Spirits audience. You can get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash spirits when you use our code spirits. That's a savings of $15 and the code is only available for you, Spirits listeners. To get started, go to apostrophe.com slash spirits and click begin visit. Then use the code spirits at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. When I'm getting up in the middle of the night and thinking about all the stuff going on in my life and all of the problems that I have in front of me, I don't know why it is, but my brain is so good at just dwelling on those problems and being like, problems, there are so many of them, so many problems. It's really hard to make my brain take that step to say, okay, like, what can we do about this? What can we change? Who can we ask for help? All that good stuff. It's really hard to train your brain to solve a problem instead of just like dwelling on it or being frightened by it. And it's something I work on in therapy all the time. And I really appreciate about BetterHelp that I can talk to my therapist, also named Amanda, at a time that's convenient for me. I actually tried uh, recently to go to kind of like a specialized therapist here in New York City. And she was like, um, yeah, can you come on Fridays at 9 a.m.? And I was like, oh, actually, I like I have work. No. And she's like, OK, well, I can't see you then. Goodbye. And I was like, what? <laughs> so being able to work with somebody to use an app to like select an opening on the calendar to be flexible, being able to like talk via phone or voice or even just go back and forth on text chat if I don't have time for a call is so flexible and so useful. And listen, if you don't jive with the first therapist you meet, you're able to switch totally for free within BetterHelp, which is such a useful thing when trying therapy, when dipping your toe in the water, when figuring out who you're going to get along well with. 
So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash spirits today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash spirits. We are also sponsored today by Blue Land, which is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet. And listen, guys, they're also really pretty. They smell really good. I love Blue Land. I was at Julia's house recently and uh, looked for like a Windex to, you know, like clean the um, the glass when I spilled something. And I was like, oh my God, Blue Land. Yeah, it is so great, especially the clean essentials kit. If you have just gotten an apartment or you are setting up, you know, your own space, whether it's a dorm room, a bedroom, or just kind of refreshing and like getting your house settled for a new season. Seriously, just look at the clean essentials kit on Blue Land. It is so pretty and the scents are amazing, like iris agave, fresh lemon, and eucalyptus mint. And by the way, there are seasonal, I almost said flavors, scents of hand soap, apple butter, maple pumpkin, and vanilla chai. Oh my God, I'm going to have to try the vanilla chai hand soap. But they're lovely, they're beautiful, they're sustainable, they're all glass bottles, and then refills start at just $2. They're sweet, cute little tablets that come in paper packaging, and then you drop it in the bottle, fill it up with water, boom, you're good to go. It's brilliant. Set up a subscription, buy in bulk, or just try the Clean Essentials Kit. Trust me, you're going to love it. To take advantage of their best sale of the year, go to blueland.com slash spirits. You don't want to miss this. blueland.com slash spirits. That's blueland.com slash spirits. And finally, we're sponsored by Calm. If meditating more regularly was one of your intentions for the year or you want to just kind of focus on like how you're feeling or what you're doing, if you're maybe traveling coming up and you're a little bit worried about falling asleep in a new place, I know I certainly am, you gotta check out the Calm app. This is the number one mental wellness app that gives you the tools to improve the way you feel. That's guided meditations, curated music tracks, and sleep stories, of course. Check out those trained ones. You know they're my favorites. Man, those sleep stories give me the feeling of being like perfectly tucked into bed at the perfect temperature with the perfect blanket. They're really, really good and help you get to sleep no matter where you are. At calm.com slash spirits. Join the over 100 million people around the world who use Calm to take care of their minds. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash spirits. Go to calm.com slash spirits for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash spirits. Thank you so much, Calm. And now let's get back to the show. All right, I'm back, Julia, and I am drinking some of that delicious coffee mother pumpkin that we grabbed recently at Blue Point Brewing. Good God, this stuff is good. It is really good. I'm usually not a pumpkin beer person, honestly. That and the, and this is going to be ridiculous, but the Gourd Reaper from Narragansett (laughs) are my two favorite pumpkin beers for this time of year. It's on brand. It's not ridiculous. It is. It is. (laughs) Eric, how about you? What you've been drinking this spooky season? I had a pumpkin beer from a place around here called Saucy Brew Works. Ooh, Ooh saucy. saucy. It was pretty tasty. They're around this area. They make a mean pizza. And yeah, I've uh, had that. I, I tried one other pumpkin beer. I can't remember where it was from, but you know what? Pumpkin beers are real, real hit or miss. Mm-hmm. But once you found one that you like, it's it's worth sticking sticking with it. It's got those those nice flavors, those nice spices. I have a question for you all. Yes. Are you pro like cinnamon sugar ring or anti cinnamon sugar ring on your pumpkin beer? You gotta. On a Christmas ale, you gotta. I'm less convinced it's necessary on a pumpkin beer. Interesting. But it's not unappreciated when it happens. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't view it as much as a requirement. 
I never expect it. Much like when I order an Oktoberfest beer, like I hope it comes in a pretty stein. But if it doesn't, I'm like, this is regular. That's fine. And so if I order a pumpkin beer, like the um, Brooklyn Brewing Company uh, pumpkin beer typically comes with a cinnamon sugar ring. God, that shit's good all day. Like I know I can do it at home. I never do. And so I particularly appreciate that. I know it's a pain in the ass for bartenders to do, too. And especially it if is. you have like an outdoor venue, then it, like the, the bees come by and the flies and everything. And that's not fun. But it does add a certain level to it, you know, as long as the pumpkin beer is not overly sweet. Mm -hmm. I think that the cinnamon sugar ring is always a good option. A plus. Couldn't agree more. But Julia, you were about to give us an update on another childhood man with a hat and a dog. Right. And this comes from Danny H. And she titles it a childhood man with the hat and trench coat minus dog story. Oh, minus dog. Okay. So Danny writes, howdy, y'all. I've been catching up on old Urban Legends episodes while working, and I just got to the series of Man with a Hat and a Trench Coat with Dog Stories. And it reminded me of multiple occasions from when I was little. I only remember seeing him once, but he was a frequent sighting by one of my childhood friends. I had a friend in elementary school named Tabitha. She lived in this trailer park behind the school separated by a fenced-off woods, so kids in the park had to ride the bus instead of walk. The school sat at the corner of a four-way intersection with no sidewalk or crosswalks. I'd visit Tabitha pretty frequently for short periods of time, but I only stayed overnight once because of Mr. Trenchcoat. Mm -hmm. You see, Tabitha had an imaginary friend. A tall, shadowy man wearing a trench coat and a large hat that no one else could see. I never had an imaginary friend, but I knew about them and assumed that this was what that was. Until I saw him. Every time I'd go to visit, Tabitha would talk about her imaginary friend. We were in early elementary school, around six or seven, so it wasn't particularly concerning to the adults. And I liked going over to her place because she had a water mattress and a PlayStation, so like... What else could a kid want, to be honest? Did you guys have a friend where it's like, you know what, you're just okay, but you do have like a GameCube or an N64 or a PlayStation or something like that? Yeah, one of the Jessicas that we went to elementary school with, Julia, had a house with like what must have been just kind of like an attic crawl space, but her parents let her sort of like put some pillows and blankets up there and made it a little fort. I only got to hang out in it once, but I was like, I don't care what your company's like. I want to come back here. This feels like, this feels great. Yeah. Then she moved. <sighs> Jessica. Dang you, Jessica, who moved? Jessica C. I had a friend that lived across the street from my grandmother's and I only visited him when I was staying at my grandmother's, essentially. But we also did, we, we he did come to birthday parties. I went to his. So like, we knew each other, kind of, but like the main activity yeah. was definitely like, oh, he's got a new game, so let's check it out. So, I mean, it wasn't like just for that, but it was, I would say, probably a big factor yeah. in why we ended up hanging out. I get that. I had one friend who I was like, every time we went to hang out, I was like, you're great and whatever you want to do, we can do. But also you have an N64 and mm -hmm. you have Pokemon Stadium and I want to play Pokemon Stadium. <laughs> That is what made us sign up for the like Nintendo Switch Game Pass situation because they're adding Pokemon Stadium and we're like, nice. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. So Danny continues. The problem was Tabitha started getting in trouble a lot. She started running away from school trying to get home. That road that I mentioned, she multiple times managed to escape from her captors at school and get as far as the middle of the intersection before being apprehended. Once, she actually dug her way under the playground fence bordering the road and made her escape that way. 
Aside from these escape attempts while at home, she would also run away, instead trying to get to school. It was very strange. And when questioned by adults about these escapades, she always said that the man told her to do it. Back to my sighting, though. I had convinced my parents to let me stay the night at Tabitha's house for the first time. We had plans of video games and candy and cartoon marathons on VHS. My dad had recorded multiple Saturday cartoons, and I was going to take the tapes with me so that we could watch them. Much fun was to be had. However, I didn't end up staying the night. The whole time I was there until a few hours past dark, my friend had been telling me that the man wanted to meet me, that she'd been telling him about me and that she wanted us to be friends. And I was like, yeah, sure, okay, because I figured he was her imaginary friend and just went back to binging on candy. But I kept seeing someone out of the corner of my eye. Tabitha's room was pretty bright. We had the lights on because I was scared of the dark, but there was one corner that was darker than the rest, and I kept seeing movement there. I ignored it in favor of Crash Bandicoot, but my paranoia eventually won out, and I looked. And I probably shouldn't have. I finally saw what Tabitha had been talking about. A tall, shadowy figure in the shape of a man with the shape of a hat and a coat. I immediately screamed. Good. Tabitha's parents came running. They asked me what happened, and I told them. They ended up calling my parents, and I went home. The Monday after, it had been the weekend, at school, Tabitha apologized, saying that the man hadn't meant to scare me and just wanted to say hello. I never went back to her house again, although we stayed friends, and she moved away a year later. So, yeah, that's my story. I'm happy to say that I never had another sighting and honestly prefer it that way. <laughs> Hope y'all had a great day with much love from rural Tennessee, Danny. Damn, Danny. Glad you're okay. Damn, that's scary. <laughs> Damn, Danny. That's scary. No good. Just no good. No good. Okay, so like children understand the concept of the imaginary friend, right? Mm -hmm. For the most part. I feel like that's like something that is covered enough in media and like books and tv and stuff that we understand like oh an imaginary friend is a friend that we've created in our minds i mean i never had an imaginary friend so i'm not entirely sure i feel like i feel like kids like understand on some level but like i feel like they do mm -hmm. my impression is that kids have an idea that like this is my friend who no one else can see but haven't fully developed the idea of what imaginary truly means i feel like a lot of the time Okay. It's also a language development thing where a lot of the times when kids say creepy shit, like, oh, you know, I used to see grandpa all the time. Like they're they're kind of getting used to verb tenses and also remembering, you know, when stuff used to be versus what they hope will happen versus what they were just thinking about. Like the line between memory and imagination is porous. When I was a kid, my imaginary friend was just a bee. Just a bee. Of course it was. Just one bee. Just a bee called Buzzer Bee. Uh, and it was it was just a bee. Was he a normal size bee or was he a big bee or normal bee, Julia? Normal size bee. Wow. Now was he friends with the titular N64 character Buck Bumble? <laughs> uh don't know who that guy is. No. <laughs> oh man. Here's here's a little treat for everybody. Uh oh. <laughs> for for both of you and for the listeners. Okay. Go to youtube.com. Uh oh. Type in Buck Bumble theme song. And just like have a really good two minutes. And then come back and just listen to the rest of this episode. But like you'll you'll now have the experience of hearing what is a hundred percent the most killer theme song for the N64. Well, Eric, I Googled him and I like his vibe. His colors are good. He's got a great vibe. The music, immaculate vibe. I'll have to listen to the music after this episode. Oh wow. 
Oh. Maybe you can put in like, you know, 10 seconds of it at the beginning of this. No, I want people to do the work. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, this guy's a little friend. I want people to, to know that they've they've spent the time to research Buck Bumble. Julia's now listening to the music. It's oh, yeah. clearly a bop. Oh, yeah. She's bopping. She's bopping like Eric's head did when the previous letter mentioned Crash Bandicoot. Yep. Eric like nodded approvingly. There's so much happening there, Eric. Yeah, it's a lot. But I love it. Amanda, I know your your B wasn't rocking out like that, but that's extremely cool. I mean, he should have been. Now that you've heard the music, Amanda, do you think your B, Buzzer B, would be friends with Buck Bumble? Probably. I think Buzzer B would be like the sort of reserved sidekick to Buck Bumble's protagonist. Gotcha. Okay, sorry to, sorry to derail you with my Buck Bumble talk. But no. By all means, continue with your B. My point being, though, is like, being. imagine being, oh shit, god damn it. <laughs> Eric, that's just a word. You can't make that a pun. That's just a word. No, I, I did. <laughs> so my point is, imagine you're hanging out with a friend and they have an imaginary friend, which you understand as a child being a friend that I can't see, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that happened all the time. Like, uh, friends would be like, oh, yes, like, there's three of us at this tea party and one of them is an imaginary friend. Yeah. Now imagine you saw that friend. Yeah, mm. hate it. And it was a shadow man. Oh, yeah. Mm. That'd be bad. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's a shadow man hanging out with a kid. Then it's like doubly bad. Oh, yeah. Because then it's a very tall, tall creature. Extremely worse. Would you all like to hear some stories, including a basement ghost at work from Singapore? Another basement ghost at work, Amanda? Give it to us. This comes from Cat, They, Them. And the title is A Ghost in the Natural History Museum and Other Singapore Stories. Ooh. Here we go. Dear Julia, Amanda, and Eric, as I write this email, it's the beginning of the Hungry Ghost Festival, which lasts yes. throughout the seventh month in the Chinese lunar calendar. This just came in uh, as of this recording uh, about a month and a half ago in late August. This is when the gates of hell open and the ghosts of our ancestors return. What better time to send my favorite paranormal podcasters an email? Yes, yes, yes. I have three ghost stories from my home country of Singapore for you. A personal story about my grandfather after he passed away, a friend's near miss, maybe with a local spirit, and our titular Natural History Museum ghosts. Feel free to choose whatever you like for the podcast or just enjoy them all. All of them. We choose all of them. All of them, please. So this first one begins... The day my grandfather passed away, a large white butterfly appeared outside the door to my grandparents' apartment. Chinese funerals in Singapore are usually a three-day event held on the ground floor of the deceased's apartment block. And throughout those three days, my family often saw that butterfly flitting about the plants near the door to my grandparents' flat as we went up and down carrying food and incense paper or just to take a rest. On the second day, my mom pointed it out to me and said, that's probably your grandfather. In Chinese culture, butterflies can be seen as manifestations of the spirits of the dead. On the third day, we finished my grandfather's final rites, and when we got back from his cremation, the butterfly was gone. Mm. But it wasn't the last time we saw the butterfly, though it didn't hang around constantly the way it did during the funeral. My grandmother worried about whether my grandfather was at rest, and we hoped he just needed time. Then about a month later, I was having a dream where I looked across a room full of people and saw my grandfather standing at the door. I waved at him, and he nodded back. I pushed my way over, but when I got to the door, he was already gone. I told my mom a few days later, and to my surprise, her response was, oh, you had that one too? <laughs> it turned out she, my grandmother, my aunt, two cousins, and I all had my grandfather appear in their dreams on the same night. Mm -hmm. She said, your grandmother hasn't seen that butterfly since. To this day, though other, more colorful butterflies have visited her plants, none has been that large white butterfly from those first few days. 
I've heard several stories about the spirits of listeners' loved ones on the Urban Legends episode. It's interesting to me how many come in the form of apparitions, while stories of butterflies like mine are not uncommon at all among my Chinese friends and family. I like how hauntings are shaped by our cultures. Yeah. Us too, Kat. Story number two. In Singapore, it's compulsory for men to be conscripted into national service, where late nights in an army camp full of boys aged 18 to their early 20s form a major source of ghost stories in this country. Mm. Maybe you can blame this atmosphere for my friend's experience. One day near the end of a group navigational exercise through the jungle, my friend caught a strong whiff of the sweet fragrance of frangipan flowers. My friend froze, glancing around at the rest of the group, some of whom were already also looking behind them nervously. Uh-oh. In silent agreement, the whole group started walking much faster out of the forest. As they broke the tree line and camp was in sight, one of the group spoke up. Um, did anyone else smell that? Why'd you have to say that? My friend panicked, <laughs> breaking into a run, and the whole team ran all the way back to camp. It's a real Eric response where it's like, we're all just going to not acknowledge this because if we all acknowledge it, then it's going to be true. See, it's like multiple levels of like checks and balances into ignorance Mm -hmm. because like the first check is like everybody else not acknowledging it. But now that someone has acknowledged it, which is wrong, (laughs) everyone else has decided we must get away instead of investigate. So they have maintained Despite uh, something going wrong in the system, there was a failsafe in place to escape and continue being ignorant of of the terrible thing chasing you. Sure, sure. Despite breaking the first rule, everyone followed the second rule. <laughs> it's more of like a every like like I've described them film uncut gems, a film in which you watch Adam Sandler make the the wrong decision every five minutes, and if he just mm-hmm. made the right decision, he could at least. I don't know if things would get better, but they would at least stop getting worse. <laughs> sure. I feel, I feel like that's the same policy with Team Ignorant. Like, until you have found the source of the creepy thing, you can always continue back on the path of Team Ignorance. It's a bunch of forks. And every time you go down the investigation fork, you fucked up. Fascinating. But as long as you keep going down the ignoring, you can occasionally lean towards it and then come. Your, you can get back. You can get back until... Until Slender Man is in front of you, you're good. <laughs> and then once you aren't, you aren't. Just last week was Yom Kippur, and I fasted for the first time, which is a fascinating experience uh, where your your body leaves your soul. You're like a biblical angel, and you don't eat, drink, anoint, or embrace. Uh, it was fascinating. And Eric Silver has long like gone to the movies, or you know, like you pass the time. Some you have to pass the time somehow, right, to like distract yourself until it's time to eat. And we decided to watch Uncut Gems, which was incredibly suspenseful because it truly felt like every five minutes a whole movie had happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's phenomenal filmmaking. It's so good and also so tense and fully distracted me from my paralyzed husk of a body. I recommend it. That film's so intense, it gave Kelsey a, an anxiety rash. Oh, wow. Kelsey. <laughs> I mean, she like walked out. It was like red and just like, I'm so stressed right now. And I did it. I just yeah. watched a fake story happen. And it's too stressful. Yeah, it's the best. I watched the first 20 minutes of that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm good. It's so good. It's so good. You could probably skip to the last 20 minutes because they are truly <laughs> shocking 20 minutes. I just imagine just all the other minutes in between are just bad decisions. Yes. Mm. All right, so let's figure out why this smell was so terrifying, shall we? Yes. Oh, yeah. Cat continues. Now, my friend was not particularly superstitious, but when you live in a region as haunted as Southeast Asia, there are some things you just don't take chances with. And one of them is smelling this kind of flower, a light-loving ornamental garden tree, especially where there shouldn't be any, like a shady tropical forest. Mm. That's the sign 
that the Pontianic is near, a vengeful ghost from Malay folklore of a blood-drenched woman dressed in white. I think usually the fragrance will be followed by the stench of a corpse, but obviously nobody was going to stick around for that lest they be torn to pieces such that no one could ever find them. This is all to say that I think smell is the worst sense for experiencing a haunting because in Southeast Asia, it foretells brutal dismemberment by a very angry ghost. Fair. Fair. Completely fair. Yeah. And there's something like about the strong scent of flowers that is also very reminiscent of rot. Exactly. And I don't know if that is just like funeral homes and the association of flowers with death or if that's like... You know, there is something kind of sickly sweet about rotting meat. Yes. Whether it's human or otherwise, that does kind of evoke bad things. Exactly. And like smelling a fruit or a flower at the peak of ripeness means that it will very soon be followed by decay. Yeah. And sometimes like, you know, the fruit turns, right? Or the meat turns or you smell what you think. You're like, oh, what's that? And and your brain doesn't catch up that it's disturbing until it's too late and you're like firmly in it. So I love that. And you guys know how much I love a smell-based haunting. Mm, your favorite scent. It's true. It's well established. And finally, the third story. When I was an undergraduate, I did a bit of part-time work in Singapore's only natural history museum. I jumped at every chance I could to visit the back collections, which is where most of a museum's things are stored, and as far as I'm concerned, the best place in the world. I love wandering the rows and rows of shelving holding all manner of interesting creatures. Jewel-toned beetles, intricately patterned mollusk shells, bird nests, endless microscope slides of plankton, jars of fish, an entire manatee even. Wow. One day I was talking to a colleague about the collections and she said, oh, have you met Charlie? Who's that? I said, the ghost. I was surprised. The building was only a couple of years old. How could it already have a ghost? Because it's not the building, it's the land it was built on. (laughs) My colleague didn't know. At this point, I admit that I'm only about 70% sure the ghost's name is Charlie because it's been a few years since I had this conversation, but I needed a name for dramatic purposes. Anyway, my colleague said she saw Charlie once when she was working late and alone in the collections, a white human figure walking between the shelves, and decided it was time to go home. When I told my mom about this afterwards, by the way, she told me a white ghost means the spirit is benign and a black one is malicious and a red one is vengeful. Whoa. Haven't heard that before. Color-coded. Right? Yeah. Color-coded spookiness. Mm-hmm. You'd think in a museum full of dead animals, we'd be haunted by those instead of a person. I found out more about the ghost later from the director of the museum when he was giving a talk about its history. The building which currently houses the museum might be new, but the museum itself has a long history and is one of the oldest natural history institutes in Southeast Asia. The collections themselves can be traced back to the Raffles Museum and Library, which was established in colonial-era Singapore in the 1800s. After Singapore's independence as a nation, the museum was renamed the National Museum and focused on art and history. The zoological collections were moved out in 1972 to the National University of Singapore's old campus, where they were crammed into the basement of a World War II-era building that was already haunted by Charlie, Mm. who apparently in life was either a soldier or a member of the resistance. The students at the time used to go and ask Charlie for luck in their exams. When the collection moved to a new university campus, it seems that Charlie decided to move with it, and a few later came along again to the collection's current beautiful home. Honestly, I'm jealous. Haunting a natural history collection, browsing the many interesting animals and plants, and scaring researchers into pursuing proper work-life balance? That seems to me like an ideal afterlife. 
truly. As long as the collection keeps growing and you don't get bored, you're like, oh, I've seen the same manatee five times. (laughs) Something new, please. So we've talked about the button that led to the soldier haunting in the in the attic uh, or the trunk. What do we think is anchoring Charlie to this collection? I bet that they like used a piece of his clothing or something like they just found some rags that used to be his clothing and wrapped up one of the pieces of the collection in that for storage. And now he's like, well, my sweater went there. So now I got to go there. That's good. Yeah. Maybe he donated a specimen or something and is like, I got to make sure that's okay. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he just really wanted to like do a graduate degree in natural sciences. And now he gets to do that on his own. Wouldn't it be funny if like his soul attached itself to like one of the benches or like one of like the little marble things that they put like the pottery on. Yeah. The pedestal. Yeah. Like obviously like that would be ludicrous, but wouldn't it be funny? It's like, I'm stuck at a museum because my soul has attached itself to a weird object that just kind of hangs out here. That one beetle. I'm part of that one beetle now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he and the beetle died in the same moment. And so they're sort of like tied together. Souls entwined. Yeah. Right on. It'd be really creepy if you were working in an exhibit and then like, you know, everything's behind glass and is presumably dead. And then one of the beetles starts moving and crawling around and breaks out of the glass. That'd be bad. Yeah, be very scary. Well, Kat concludes, I'm finishing this email as the moon wanes and the seventh month ends because I procrastinate emails for just that long. Yeah. As I lie in wait for October, a.k.a. spooky month too, I wish the spirits team love spooky happenings and early office exits. Signed, Kat. Thanks, Kat. Thank you, Kat. This was lovely. And I hope you had an extremely good Hungry Ghost Festival. I know the perfect way to to end this episode. Ooh, tell us. It's with this joke. More like unnatural history museum. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, that's a wrap. We'll see you next week with more urban legends. Until then, remember, stay creepy, stay cool, stay international. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.